Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Welcome back to Global Insider. I'm Ryan Heath, and today we're headed uptown to talk to President Duque of Colombia. It's a super interesting moment to talk to President Duque because it's 200 years of diplomatic relations between the US and Colombia, and they just really want to position themselves as America's strongest ally in Latin America. But also, they want some things in return. So we're going to talk to him about vaccines. We're going to talk to him about how they can work together on climate and what approach needs to be taken to inequality, to refugees, to a whole host of different social issues. My first question is really around COVID. And Colombia was one of the first countries to be rolling out the vaccine. But that must mean the question of the booster shots is now in your mind as um, the potential immunity of the people who are vaccinated wears off. But we're still in the situation where the US has this ban on the exports. And so I wanted to hear from you how, how that affects your strategy. Does it mean you have to turn to Chinese options? Does it mean you have to do it slower? Is it something that you're asking the U.S. government to change? I think there are three objectives. One is that we are moving faster on massive vaccination, and we expect to have 70% of the Colombian population fully vaccinated by the end of the year. That helps us to reach uh, immunity, but also we're also expanding the coverage on children above 12 years old. So that's that's moving fast. The second thing is we have already decided to have a third dose or a reinforcement for people that have immunodepression or suppression, immunosuppression. So that's around 100,000 people. And our vaccination committee has also advised us to have a reinforcement, an extra shot for people above 70. And I think the challenge that we all face is that, for example, some of the pharmaceuticals can comply with the schedules that they, that they have uh, committed to. We expect by the end of this month to have received more than 10 million doses mm-hmm. so that we will keep on, on reaching the final goal, which is 35 Colombian fully vaccinated. Yep. And are you able to do it with the, the U.S. and the European vaccines? Or good. That's a good question because we have diversified. I mean, we have bought from Sinovac in China. We've bought from AstraZeneca. We've bought from Moderna. We've bought from Janssen. And we've bought from Pfizer. And we have bought through COVAX as well. Yep. So we have diversified. And I think that diversification has allowed us to move faster on the massive vaccination strategy. And I think that's an important point because I think some people have the impression that other countries are looking for charity and they don't realize that countries like Colombia are willing to go into the open market and, and buy these drugs. You just want the chance to buy them. And we have done that. I, I also have to express my gratitude because President Biden and the U.S. government has supported Colombia in donating more than six million doses. And that's something that we value a lot. But we are buying all over the place as well. So more than, than a charity request, what well, we wanted to be able to have the access as we have done it, and obviously call for the, 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 the accomplishment of the schedules that have been committed. Uh, moving on to climate, I think we're really picking up the theme as journalists that there's a lot of important discussions happening this week that will build to bigger announcements around the COP climate conference happening in Scotland later in the year. I heard you got to meet with Jeff Bezos and he had one of the really big announcements of the week. 
looking back at Earth from up there, the atmosphere seems thin and the world finite. That's why tonight we're announcing a $1 billion, uh, to be, $1 billion to be provided as grants by the Bezos Earth Fund for the conservation of nature. What was it like talking to him about your climate plans and, and where, where does Colombia sit in this effort to, to, to fix the climate? Colombia is, is going to Glasgow with a big commitment. We want to reduce by 51, by 51% our CO2 emissions or greenhouse houses emissions in 2030. And we are also setting the goal of becoming a carbon neutral country by 2050. Now, this is no theoretical. What we have done so far is that we've passed from 0.2% in non-conventional renewables in our energy matrix to reach more than uh, 20% very soon. I mean, just as and of is that today. Like hydro and wind. What was the mix? Primarily, we're doing uh, wind and solar. We started a big on solar. We're moving on wind, but we're also setting the roadmap for green hydrogen in Colombia. So. This is the Colombia that is, that is in the making, but also we're expanding protected areas. So you ask me why this is important to share with Jeff Bezos, because I think Jeff Bezos is not only a philanthropist, but it's something that has clear in his heart and mind the importance of protecting and conserving nature all around the world. And he's making a big commitment, and with the resources that he's putting in the environmental community, I think countries like Colombia can access to those funds and put together high-impact projects regarding conservation, protection, and energy transition. And did he tell you about his trip to space? That seems to be something that really... Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately we, didn't get, we didn't get to that, to that conversation, but I also expressed my, my gratitude because I met, and I told him that I had met uh, Andy Jatsi mm -hmm. uh, two years ago when I visited him in Seattle, and I told him the things that were happening in Colombia with the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And out of that meeting that we had, Amazon Web Services came to Colombia and is now employing thousands of, of citizens. So I also expressed that to Jeff Bezos, that the investment he has done in countries like Colombia are generating an improvement in the quality of life of many people. So what I admire from him, now it's not only his entrepreneurial capacity and his uh, capability to, to look uh, beyond the evident and look for new technologies, but also his clear commitment to protecting conservated and, and uh, protected areas around the world and to conserve protected areas around the world. That's a perfect jumping off point to the economy. And I was getting the update that Colombia's economy is now bigger than its pre-pandemic levels. You're growing at 8% this year. And that is kind of really at the top of the world rankings for this year. But I want to hear as well about the inequality backlash that's been happening. Because I think a lot of people don't understand how much COVID put back many countries and it's going to be extremely expensive to reverse that trajectory it ended up with violent protests in colombia as well the demonstrations were sparked by a proposed tax hike that the president has now cancelled but the law was met with outcry from working class colombians Dozens of people have been reported missing in the country of Colombia after days of protests have led to chaos and even death. The uprisings have also claimed the life of a teen. What's the state of play there and how, how much harder do you have to work now to just not go backwards? The economy is booming, that's true. In the first seven months of the year, our growth has been above 9%. 
So we definitely want to grow above 7% this year, and this will be the highest growth of the century in Colombia. So we want this to keep on going. But the second thing is that last week we got we approved the most important social and fiscal reform of this century in Colombia. Fiscal, because we're going to have income of around 1.8% of GDP, which is very important to stabilize our finances and be able to fund very important social reforms. And on the social side, this is the biggest social safety net ever built because we will be providing free public university education to the emerging middle class and the poorest of the poor. Mm -hmm. We're also uh, giving an incentive to hire youngsters between 18 and 28, where we pay a subsidy of 25%, which is the equivalent of uh, the social security cost. So we have already created more than 55,000 jobs and we expect to have more than 100 jobs by the end of the year. This has been very important. We have a basic income that we have had throughout the pandemic and we're extending it until December 2022 that reaches wow. 4 million families in the country. Now that's fascinating because most countries are winding back those payments now. As the economy reopens, they're stepping back from it. What, what, what motivates me about this is that, yes, the economy is booming, yeah. but still, poorest of the poor in terms of equality required to have an additional support that helps them and helps also the aggregated demand in the country. So we decided to extend the program until December 2022. The next administration, we will come in August next year, can take a decision whether they continue it mm -hmm. or they discontinue it. In my opinion, if we have continuity in this basic income that we call the Ingreso Solidario, we're not only going to return in terms of poverty to pre-pandemic levels, but, but we can also send a path so that we could eradicate extreme poverty within the next 24 months. That's a, that's a huge commitment. The next jumping off point in that discussion is your generosity around refugees. And you've got around 2 million Venezuelans now, and you were offering to take some Afghans on a temporary basis as well. And I'd just love to hear why that mindset of openness is really important to you as a leader of Colombia. Like, what's the seed of it all? I think because now in the world, we need to have a different ethos when it comes to migration. Migrants in the world are having, on a permanent basis, a bad time. Sometimes they have to face xenophobia, or they have to face that they're left behind, that they become invisible. Colombia and Venezuela have a historical bonding. We're celebrating 200 years of our first joint constitution that was issued in 1821 in Cúcuta. And we're brothers and sisters. In the 20th century, they received Colombians with open arms. And they are suffering. They have frozen bones. They have a lack of access to many services or even to vaccination. So many have come to Colombia, but they were invisible. And we decided to grant them a TPS, a temporary protection status, for 10 years. For 10 years. And after the 10 years, if they meet certain criteria, they can also become citizens. But what is important is that this type of migration doesn't stay for a, long, for a short term. They stay for longer. And they need to access to opportunities like a bank account, a job, the medical system. The only way to do it is to regularize it with the right technology, with biometrical recognition, and to demonstrate to the world that it's fraternity and not hatred 
the way that we should manage a crisis of this magnitude. That's why we have embraced this cause. In the case of, Afghani of Afghanistan, we, we said to the United States that we were ready to receive at least 4,000 uh, people that were in the transition of getting a U.S. migratory status. I think as of today, maybe the United States has defined that is that is less costly or more efficient to have them in U.S. bases and then allow them to have the transition. Nevertheless, we sustain our offer because I believe that if needed, we want to demonstrate that we can work hand in hand with our allies to do something that, that makes a difference in terms of uh, human rights. Why does UNGA matter to you as a forum or a platform? And I ask um, because some people like to think the UN isn't relevant anymore or that this is just a bunch of leaders giving speeches. Um, why does it matter to you to come here? I am a believer in multilateralism. And I am a believer of what the UN can do in order to generate the right coordination on many aspects. And people might you know, try to, some people might try to attack that kind of institutions. I worked in the UN in the past. I worked in the UN in the year 2010 and 2011. And I was a member of the inquiry panel that managed the Mavi Marmara incident in the coast of Gaza. So I know how can the UN can contribute to prevent a major conflict. But I also have to say that the UN has served the world in coordinating policies to fight climate change, to fight uh, abuses uh, against children, or simply to attack war criminals so that they can have uh, a trial where they can have an exemplary sentence. So I think multilateralism is order to be celebrated, but uh, it also needs to have a transformation. That's why I've always been a promoter that there should be a re-engineering of the multilateral system within the UN. But being here in UNGA, is to demonstrate that it's through multilateralism and not through isolationism that we can solve the problems that we face around the world. President Duque, thank you so much for joining us on Global Insider. Thank you so much. It has been a great pleasure. Muchísimas gracias. That was President Ivan Duque from Colombia, and we were so pleased to have a president on Global Insider. If you're a president somewhere else out there in the world, give us a call. We'd love to have you on the show. I'm Ryan Heath, and I'm waiting for the next presidential phone call. That was another daily dispatch from the UN General Assembly in New York City.